this is the municipal. Have you been paying attention to like city stuff? Don't vote, can't bitch. Sorry to uh, <laughs> to point that finger at you. My answer was that would be yes and no. My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government. You're saying council wouldn't approve it, and two, you're robbing them of their their voice. It's it's he's already he's already failed to vote. And welcome to a new episode of the Municipals. I'm Matthew, and I'm Philip. And Philip, they finally, finally, finally have put out the dates. Registration for the by-election uh, to run for mayor is going to be April third. Uh, nominations are going to close May twelfth. Events voting is going to be June eighth to June thirteenth, and the by-election will be held on June twenty sixth. It's time to get out and vote, isn't it, Phil? Hell yeah, we're bringing it back. And with Another us. Round. And with us today is our guest. Her name is Jennifer Alexander. She is the editor-in-chief of the Etobicoke Voice. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Hi, thank you so much for having me, guys. We, uh... As I said, I have a very important question for you, you know, on top of (laughs) everything else, Jennifer. Yeah. Uh, All right, this is important. Okay, so this will hopefully be a throwback that you remember. Uh, so I went grocery shopping with my dad on Saturday. Okay. okay. And, uh, I went to the aisle of my preferred frozen pizza products. And I noticed I, I wanted a specific one, but I, I didn't, I didn't find it there. So I wanted to know very importantly, did you and, or your husband get a chance to pick up the old El Paso pizza pops? We could not find them. We are still searching. I showed my husband that picture and he was like, I need those. I need those in my life. And I was like, I knew you do. He goes, I think I need them more in my life than you. I'm like, well, I have to cook them for you. So, you know, (laughs) yeah, no, that was just, yeah, I am amazed. If you find them again, you must tell me. I will let you know. I am so glad you remembered that. And uh, that was my very important political question to, you know, start us off. Matthew, I apologize, but I needed to get that out of the way. Hey, you can take the floor anytime you want. Um, So, Jennifer, right off the bat, uh, I guess we're just going to ask questions of you to, you know, to get to know you and stuff. Um, Yeah, sure. I I guess let's go chronologically. Um, if you can think back to election day last year um, and the results, uh, what were you thinking, feeling? What was your expectation? Trying to kind of just, I guess, sum it up and then we'll we'll bring it into the events that have taken place since. Yeah, no worries. Um, basically, I wasn't surprised by my ward here in Ward 2. Um, it was what everybody expected. Uh, I actually, I was so excited, though, because to see Amber Morley beat uh, Mark Grimes in Ward 3 in Etobicoke Lakeshore was just an eye-opening event where it was, oh, my God, maybe Etobicoke can, can change a little bit. Um, yeah, and other than that, it was amazing to see people like Alejandra Bravo um, and I was just so upset though when I thought Norm had won and he didn't but next time (laughs) and uh, disappointment that 
that uh, some of them just couldn't be beaten. But uh, yeah, it was it was better than four years ago. So <laughs> absolutely. Um, I guess my main takeaway. Um, I mean, our listeners have heard us talk about this, but my main takeaway is that like there was no clear winner as far as the mayoral race goes because you had John Tory and then you had a bunch of we'll say other people and yeah. no one was willing they to... were fighting they were fighting for second place every yeah. every other mayoral candidate was fighting for second and that was frustrating about what felt like the inevitability of this election yes there yeah. you go see if... you didn't ask me I just jumped in <laughs> No, but but you know you you put it into the correct words, so thank you for that. <laughs> and then, Jen, I, I I gotta ask you where you were and how you found out that John Tory resigned. Oh my God, I was in shock. And I, you know, I've always I've always got Twitter on. I'm always looking at my phone. The one afternoon. I was actually preoccupied with something completely different. <laughs> so my daughter, and she's 15, she comes running into the living room to tell me. She's like, John Tory's resigned. And I'm like, yeah, that's BS. You, you're telling me what I wish. <laughs> and then I'm getting text all of a sudden from my sister, who's not really not into uh, to elections anyways or into politics. And she's like, John, John Tory's resigning. And so I was just in shock for like the next 20 minutes, my mom and my sister and I were all texting back and forth and they get so sick and tired of me talking about municipal politics to the fact that I was like, I can't believe I'm having a conversation with these people right now about this. But yeah, shock and excitement going, I'm gonna get to write about an election that I that's about three and a half years uh, earlier than I expected. <laughs> Phil always likes to point out the look on John Tory's face when he walks in the door. I don't know if you had a chance to see in, the, uh, the the actual clip where he resigns. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't know if anyone could have seen that moment unless you saw the moment live, because every every clip I've seen of you know him making a speech does not include him walking into that room. And uh, I only mention that because, uh, you know, uh, much like you, Jen, I, I'm pretty addicted to Twitter, like uncontrollable. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real problem. I was uh, I was scrolling through my own personal feed, like how narcissistic. And I, I got back to my tweets from February 10th, where it's, um, I made three tweets in a row. Uh, they're all, all in caps. And it's, it is, yeah. it is my emotions as it's happening. The first tweet is, his face as he entered, you know, so that's all in caps. And I loved it. It was like, it was, <laughs> I've never seen John Tory look like that. And then my second tweet, all caps again, was just the word, whoa. And then my third tweet was the three words, holy fucking shit. And I knew that was the moment. That was, that was, um, Man, it was what a in, in those 15 seconds. Yeah. Uh, you know, he flipped Toronto municipal politics on its head. Yeah, like I I think my my first tweet was an hour later where I literally said, you know, I I don't look at Twitter for a whole hour and this is what happens. Like, geez, I better, you know, stick to my Twitter habit because Toronto's going to fall apart if I don't. <laughs> 
And uh, I'm curious. How do know what's going on? What do you What do you say to to the fact that he re, he said he was going to resign, but didn't do so until a week later? <clears throat> oh, I I thought that was just so much nerve. I'm like, you know what? If you're going to sit there and you're, you're stand there and you're going to say that you're going to resign, then just do it. Don't stand there and wait for your budget to go through for whatever buddies you've promised, and you know make make the city a, just a worse, worse place. You just, just so much anger at that moment that, you know what, you're obviously going to resign and you want to sit there and like what you want to pull and see if uh, you should, you should stay on or not. I mean, it got to a point where my husband was really starting to go, he's not going to resign. He's just going to use this and he's going to stay on. And I almost, I almost started to believe that too. Well, you heard about the robocalls, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was following so many people who were getting them. I was honestly surprised that we didn't get them. Because we're like right in that area where you would think that they would get the answers they want. <laughs> That's uh, true. You know, every week we uh, since this has happened now, we uh, we discover more names that may or may not throw their name in the in the race. Uh, I got a couple here for you, Phil and and and, and Jen. Um, Mitzi Hunter. <sighs> I don't. I don't know enough about Mitzi Hunter. Um, it does. It does seem weird. You know, you already have your role. You are an MP, and it just feels opportunistic to take your name recognition in the middle of your term. I don't know. It just. I. Uh, I guess I should be more critical of uh, Andrea Horath, for example, for doing what she did. So, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's a good look. That's my thought. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, you're you're in a party that desperately needs to rebuild. And, you know, up until that moment, you're talking about running to be leader of, you know, the liberals and you're talking about rebuilding and, you know, s- starting fresh. And all of a sudden you're going to just, mm, you know what, maybe I'll just go be a mayor because I want you and I want more power. I don't know. I, I think, I think she's probably a good person and has, you know, her heart in the right place, but I still remember her as education minister. And I had very young children at that point and things were not in a good, uh, it wasn't looking good education portfolio wise for her. So you know, and I think that probably skews my my uh, my view as well. But you know what? If you're already an MPP, stick to that. Well, it's funny you should mention that because um, there was something published uh, by BayToday.ca uh, where Mitzi Hunter uh, has a problem with the fact that there was not enough females at the Steg and Do- at Doug Ford Steg and Doe. I'm being completely serious. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I think that that says it for itself if that's true. <laughs> Side question. Is is Mitzi Hunter the MP or the MPP? She's the MPP. Oh, my bad. Sorry. Like I was just I was talking like she's I mean, my point is unchanged, but for Yeah, my point is unchanged. I just I thought she was the MP. She's she's quoted as saying there there were no women there at this event. She told the press at Queen's Park, attributing her information to, quote, sources 
who spoke uh, with her, quote, it reflects poorly on the premier and his office. Uh, the Trillium's sources aware of the event have described what is a mostly male and referred to it as a stag and doe or a stag and a bachelor party. Uh, Hunter's comments baffled members of the press gallery who asked why it mattered. She said it was a problem because it, it wasn't, quote, an inclusive, an inclusive event for men and women celebrating a wedding, but rather a, quote, all-male event. So that's pretty much that. And, and that's her problem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Oh, I don't know. I feel like that has to be, I don't know how you come, like, to have something to be so obviously problematic as uh, the stag and doe thing, and then to just be like, how do you, how do you even begin? Like, it's, it's kind of like, you know, someone poisons you, and your issue is with the, the food that was poisoned and not the poison itself. You know what I mean? That's, that's pretty silly. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I don't know how she thinks that that's going to, you know, make her look good. Um, yeah, I, I can't. That actually leaves me speechless, disappointed and speechless, because I honestly had a little bit more respect and uh, thought, you know, maybe she'd be a good leader for the liberals, maybe. But uh, yeah, which is funny because you that. already started with a lower perspective of respect. You well, already started for, on a lower level. <laughs> for for mayor, for mayor. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's like like I'm just I'm like I mean yes, as a woman, I like to have equality. But a stag and doe, you know what? Sometimes you're gonna have more for the bachelor. Sometimes you're gonna have more for the bride. Whatever. <laughs> I I think I think. Um, the uh, people who attend it are, it's more of an issue. <laughs> yeah, I and think then, the issue is the cash. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then the other person was uh, Denzel Minnan Wong, and he's released a statement. I'm, I'm going to read it. <laughs> well, go ahead, Phil, get it out of your system. <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, you know, here's the thing. Um, again, uh, too Twitter addicted and these things absolutely don't matter. But if I if I talk about ratioing someone, we understand what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Sorry? When you ratio someone on Twitter, do you understand what I'm talking about if I say that? Why don't you explain it for the listeners and for me too? <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's like someone someone tweets and you know they get whatever many likes, whatever, but then well, so there's kind of two. Oh my god, uh, this is too much. There's sort of two ways to ratio someone. It's either you get like so few likes, but way more responses, which sort of implies it's a a, a large group of people like telling you off, or you you know you make a tweet, you get a certain amount of likes. Someone makes a tweet under you and gets more likes. So you you know people see the response and they're like, oh, we like that more. So those are the two the two forms of Twitter ratio on this uh, on today's episode of. Twitter learning with Philip Mills. Um, so I'm very excited to say that I I ratioed Brad Bradford. Uh, you know when he said something, he he gave some sort of like grandstanding message about to the TPC, you deserve better. And it's like okay, well, shit, you didn't vote for them to get better, so I don't know what you expect. Uh, I didn't say that. You know that would have been a lot funnier. But uh, then. So I reached, sorry, 
Denzel, the important thing is Denzel Min and Wong. He, you know, released a statement and there is not a soul in the city of Toronto who I can personally imagine who is wondering deep down in their soul, please, Denzel, bring some sanity back to City Hall. Oh, we need to spend less money, Denzel, please. Like, who's here for that? Who's who's asking for Mayor Mayor Min and Wong? And then I think of the fact that he was the deputy mayor. And what if the situation with John Tory happened with him as deputy mayor? So, sorry, that's my Denzel Min and Wong can get fucked sign of segment. <laughs> Uh, Jen, do you have anything you wanted to add before I read the statement? Oh, all I'm going to say is my first uh, response to that was, who who, who wanted you to do that? <laughs> <laughs> and, and actually, who asked? Phil, it's, you said it exactly. What I was thinking was when I saw it going, oh, my God, these were deputy mayors like up until the election. There's so, a few of them that would have so, been terrifying. So was Michael. Yes, Michael Thompson. And Stephen Holiday. Oh my God, I forgot. Oh yes, let's not forget. <laughs> Literally, let's not the forget castle, Fi- castle villains. <laughs> let's not forget Philip's boy. <laughs> yeah, the I, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast. I think I have, but um, when I went to the council chambers with my brother and Stephen Holiday started to speak, and I leaned over and I said to my brother, "I'm like, he's a villain," and my brother said to me, and he's keep in mind, he's not super into like municipal politics like he he tags along with me because he's a good brother um but he's he's not like into it and so i'm just like he's a villain and my brother says i don't like that that's reductive shout out to phil's brother yeah jordan (laughs) okay here's the statement over the past 10 days i have received unsolicited support and encouragement from many people to run in the upcoming by-election they're confident that you know, the confidence in me means a great deal and serving as the next mayor of Toronto would have been a tremendous privilege. We have many problems that need to be solved in our city, which I have spoken about consistently over my 28 years on council. Crime and safety, the slow decline in city services and infrastructure, congestion and gridlock, graffiti, the destabilization of stable residential neighborhoods, tax levels and commitment to uh, to find savings and efficiencies in city government. However, timing is everything in politics and running for mayor and what comes next would uh, materially affect the time I could spend with my young family. Children are only young once, and I don't want to miss any more significant parts of their lives. As a result, I have decided not to put my name forward in the upcoming by-election for the mayor of the City of Toronto. I wish the taxpayers of Toronto the best luck in carefully deciding who is best to lead our city. (laughs) And once again, I... Here's, Here's what I would do, you know, if I were... If I won, you know, again, haha. <laughs> if I if I were a city councilor right now, I would love to, you know, stand after Stephen Holiday says, you know, he goes on his tirade where he talks about the taxpayers, respect the taxpayers. <laughs> and I would and I'd ask him very pointedly, what does he mean by that? Because literally everyone is a taxpayer. 
literally everyone. And listen, I, I, I know what he means. You know what he means. We all universally understand what Stephen Holiday means when he says that. But I, I just like it, like on the record publicly, like, hey, man, <laughs> what do you mean by that? God, I hate, I hate, I just, I hate that. I hate that framing of it. The taxpayer. Respect for the taxpayer. Yeah. We're on all the, taxpayers. Every single one of us. <laughs> on the positive end, uh, Jen, is there anyone that you might be looking forward to uh, to, to run for uh, the by-election? You know what? I would be very interested to see uh, if Josh Mallow throws in his hat. I mean, it looks like he's been posturing for it from day one anyways, but... That is somebody that I actually agree with a lot. And I like the way that he stands up, especially to John Tory and shows that he they when they were in council, especially at the beginning of the session when John Tory was standing there and welcoming all the counselors and everybody was signing and the two of them and you know, they can't stand each other. <laughs> there was no faking. Josh Matlow looked mad. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, outside of council, um, I'd love to see Chloe Brown step back in. Um, Absolutely. That would be awesome. And I would fully support her. Um, yeah. And, and at this point, it's just, let's see. <laughs> it's going to be a long, long list. Yes. I heard there's going to be like anywhere from 60, maybe 70 um, candidates. And that's where oh, you get it. That's where you get into the vote splitting. Um, I know that some people mean well, but there's literally a long list of candidates who cannot be taken seriously. Yeah. And you um, know what? Uh, to that, to that, Matt, uh, it does kind of come to mind that I don't think that we do have to worry about vote splitting in that regard. Like, I feel like there will be a few big names that rise to the top as like the, the more serious mayoral candidates, <laughs> and they'll sort of represent they'll end up representing, I want to say, different ideologies. You know what I mean? Um, and I, I think everyone else, like if there's 70 names on the ballot, I, I don't know how many will be, like realistically people will be looking at. That's well put. I just, so, I just think- No, oh, no, sorry. go ahead, go ahead. Go no, ahead. I, I was just gonna say, I think the big thing though is with there is a concern with the more progressive vote and the left side is that they get possibly too excited and put in a few bigger names. And then all of a sudden that's where there may be issues, especially I think whoever, you know, is running and it's got like, let's be honest, there's going to be PC money. There's going to be NDP money, whoever, um, is looked at and supported by say progress Toronto. And then you're going to have somebody else who feels slated and is able to find others. So I just, I just worry about that. I'm, I'm curious if you have like a name in mind that you think would be like a, a bad name to come forward in that regard. <sighs> I, <laughs> you know what? And that's, that's the thing. I, I mean, I can, I'll take I'm the looking. bullet. I'll take the bullet. Yeah. Mark Saunders. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Oh God. Oh. You know, um, there's one good I thing. Saw, I saw the... Hold on, hold on. There's one good thing okay, about yeah, yeah, Mark good. Saunders running. One only. I don't want him to win. There's one good thing if he does run. He'll split the vote with Blake Acton. 
<laughs> I think he'll I think he'll just completely delegitimize Blake Acton. Like I I you know I don't want Mark Saunders to win. I think a race that has both Mark Saunders and Blake Acton uh, makes Blake Acton invisible. Uh, to be perfectly yeah. honest, I I agree. Yeah. <laughs> and I just I, I saw the thing. Um, it was it was like from a tweet. <laughs> A Twitter. Oh God! Again, sorry. This is this is a Twitter episode. It's fine. That's Phil, that's where we're at. That's where well, we're that's at. that's hey. how I I meet everybody. So Phil lives <laughs> in Twitterland. I very much do. Um, you know, for how much I don't like the guy, I really should get a sponsorship. You know, from Musk. Uh, but um, oh, shit. What was I just thinking? I think you were I'm gonna to say some me. shit about Blake Acton. <laughs> Oh, I think. I was, oh, actually, again, I think I think the most shit I can say about Blake Acton is that, again, with Mark Saunders, he's invisible and he's not even a concern. Uh, Mark Saunders, <laughs> it was like a group, um, like a Twitter account that was like to draft Mark Saunders to run for mayor. And it was like, which of these four counselors has uh, made Toronto worse for everybody? And it's like uh, Josh Matlow. Brad Bradford, you know, again, we're not friends with Bradford on the show, but yeah, he's again not the ultimate villain on council. Um, again, Paula Fletcher, I think, and oh, it might have even been a a Mike Layton. It might have been a like a past who ruined the city of Toronto. Yeah, yeah. and I'm just thinking, like, you thought those guys were the problem? <laughs> <laughs> so you have no idea what's wrong with our city. You're like, oh my god, I. Oh, I hated that so much. I'm very easy to set off, as you can tell. <laughs> so let's talk about Etobicoke, because I would love, I live in Etobicoke, and, uh, you know, I've, been, I've lived here, well, I've lived here pretty much since I was four years old. And uh, why don't you talk about your, your paper and, you know, the kinds of things that you cover, for, you know, for our listeners and uh, and then we can kind of uh, we'll feed off that we'll we'll go in a direction. Okay, sounds great. So I've lived here my entire life, and I've lived in the same area of Etobicoke my entire life, and I've seen good things and bad things change. Um, and basically, the reason I started the Etobicoke Voice is because Etobicoke has become so disconnected from neighborhood to neighborhood. Um, you know, right up from the lake uh, in Ward One up until till the uh, border up, uh, in Ward in sorry Ward Three is Lakeshore. Ward One is North Etobicoke. Uh, but basically, yeah, it's and you hear so many bad things about Etobicoke when you go on to uh, Toronto political Twitter because yes, I have a serious Twitter problem as well. And I'm constantly feeling like I'm, you know, I, I have to defend Etobicoke because Etobicoke is not all thinking like Stephen Holiday and Vince Grisanti and, and Mark Grimes. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I think the big issue is a lot of it, a lot of people in different communities don't even know what's going on next door. So I'm looking, so I started it basically to try and you know, let people know what's going on here and there and let them know what's what our counselors are doing, because there's a lot of anger and a lot of uh, people who have issues with traffic and with safety and 
with just even community building. We don't have, you know, community centers and such like other parts of the city do. And, uh, you know, it got to a point where I'm like, okay, everybody, don't keep complaining and doing nothing. Let's talk about it. Let's connect. And I've tried so much community advocacy over the years, trying to fix some traffic issues. And I realized the real problem is that nobody feels like they can make a difference. So hopefully with the Atopical Voice, people start to, you know, get to know what's going on and get to know the issues and, uh, you know, and start realizing that we all kind of have the same concerns and maybe can start working together. Absolutely. I, I love that. You know, like I said, uh, being in Etobicoke pretty much my whole life, <laughs> I, uh, I actually lived uh, in Ward 3 for 13 years. And uh, <clears throat> some of my other listeners have heard me tell this story before, but I'll, I'll just briefly tell it one more time for you and, and for any new listeners we have. Um, so I lived at 10th Street and Lakeshore for 13 years. And um, I watched the violence get progressively worse during the time that we lived there. And, you know, it went from uh, uh, these gangster, I don't know what to call them. So I'm going to call them gangsters. If they're offended, oh, well, stop being a gangster. Um, they were dealing drugs at the basketball court uh, across the street from where we lived. Uh, we lived in a co-op. And then it turned into dealing drugs inside the apartment building, which was also diagonally across from us. And then, you know, <clears throat> drive-by shootings and just the violence just kept getting worse, kept getting worse, you know. And then they do this thing where if it's a if it's a holiday weekend, you know, uh, for example, we just had family day. So I bet you it happened or maybe not because it's cold. But in the summertime, it definitely happens where it, it'll be like the Sunday night and the Monday night they'll all buy fireworks and they'll shoot them at each other, some sort of war game style game. And they're shooting it at, at, at passerby people that are just, you know, walk out, yep. out for a walk or walking their dog or whatever. They'll shoot it at cars. They're shooting at, at buses. They're even brazen enough to shoot it at the police. And the 22 division is one of the worst police stations, in my opinion, um, that in Toronto, because they don't do anything. They, they will run away, not run away, drive away. Yeah. Um, they, they're aware of the violence. I mean, they're not dumb. They just won't do anything about it. And for the time period that I was there, Mark Grimes was always the counselor. And it just never happened. Nothing. It, it just kept happening. And um, I mean, that's one of the huge reasons that we left. And uh, I'm just wondering if, if, if you're aware of anything that I'm, I'm talking about or, or maybe even surprised because, I mean, the violence, <laughs> it's not just in North Etobicoke. I know North Etobicoke gets a bad rep because we have uh, Mount, Mount Olive up here <laughs> and, and we have Jamestown and we have Rexdale. And so we get a bad rep, but, but Lakeshore is pretty bad itself. Go ahead. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I had a choice when I went to school to because I went to Humber and I was either going to go to Lakeshore or I was going to go to North. I went to North because I could get a bus right into the campus. Um, because and now we're talking like late 90s, early 2000s. And the, uh, the just the violence and just you just as a woman walking on the street on Lakeshore back then, that was just not safe in Mimico. Um, around where I am, I'm basically on the border of War II and War III. And we've always had issues um, up in uh, around Rathburn and the West Mall of Rathburn and the East Mall. When it when I was a kid, it was a known fact that there were gangs, and at times things got uh, you know heated between the two sides, and you knew not to go past Burnanthorpe. I'd wander all over the place, but I would never go past Burnanthorpe. Yeah, it was Capri, uh, Capri Road. Capri, or... yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, and I. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no! All I was going to say is I still wouldn't walk that part of uh, the small by myself. You know, I, I feel like our kids are being robbed because, I mean, when I was a kid, Phil, I, uh, maybe you can speak to this too, uh, although I think I'm quite a bit older than you. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was always told, be home when the streetlights are on. I didn't have a phone, obviously, because I was I grew up in the 90s. Um, it just was better back then, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> now you can't let your kids out because they're going to get kidnapped because we got a bunch of weirdos running around um and they they have to have a phone because you have to know because we're literally tracking our own kids yep yep exactly i have a 20 year old that i'm still tracking she knows it but she doesn't like it but anyway whatever (laughs) (laughs) phil uh is it like that for you come home when the street lights are on i i hope i can i can keep my tangential thought for, you know, after I answer your question, I, um, <laughs> you know, I, I guess there was a, a different, it's, it's hard for me to say because I, um, I mean, I, I say like I moved to Toronto when I was in grade eight as if grade eight, what, what is grade eight? 12 years old. That would have been 20 years ago. Like Christ, more than 20 years ago. Um, so I've been in Toronto for that long. But prior to then, like my younger years, uh, we moved around a lot. Like I, I think of like when I was f- like five or six in, uh, we lived in Collingwood. And I remember we, we biked lucky in, bastard. Like, away from our house. <laughs> <laughs> that was, um, yeah, I, I think I mentioned before, my parents worked for the Salvation Army. And so for whatever reason, they, they move you around a lot similar to an actual army, despite the fact that that's, you know, not the point. Uh, but the but us moving to Collingwood was my parents' preferential choice. So they got lucky. So we were in Collingwood for seven years. This is completely irrelevant, but they built a Taco Bell only after we moved away. And that's important to me because I have that grudge <laughs> against the, the township of Collingwood for that. Because I, I feel like they did that personally against child me. Um, here's my, here's my side tangent. That's sorry. I I realized my example is weird because I I do also think my parents were overprotective. Um, because I remember in Collingwood, we would have like biked around, uh, the neighborhood, uh, with relatively large streets, I think. But again, it also could have been so long ago that I'm seeing it from the child's eye and forgetting that, you know, children see everything anyways. Um, sorry, that's... My, my weird thought is, uh, well, 
sorry, it'll maybe be a little bit of thought. Jen, I know you said you were doing um, kind of community uh, advocacy for a few years, but when did you when did you start doing the uh, the Etobicoke Voice? Was that like this previous municipal election? Yeah, actually, I didn't. I wanted to start it for that, but I got COVID in uh, in July, and it basically knocked me out for two months. Um, so I actually only launched it uh, at the beginning of December. So I've been surprised so actually, that it's caught on. <laughs> no, no, this kind of it kind of works with um, kind of my line of thinking, is that it it sort of feels like this particular municipal election. This isn't quite the correct word for it. I hope you guys extrapolate what I mean when I say this because it's I want to say it's a smaller scale I feel like this particular election was very radicalizing for a lot of people like it really does feel like a lot of people got the sense of that there was something wrong with the city you know with with John Tory in charge in particular and I I, I don't know maybe it's because I personally brought myself into it and so of course I'm paying attention to the other people who brought themselves into it but uh it feels very well. Maybe that's maybe I'm making the wrong assumption. No, no, no. I think it was a record Phil, low. I I get that. I absolutely Phil, get that. I think you're right because let's be honest. If we were all happy with the job that not only John Tory but Council was doing, you wouldn't have run. Like I was, you know, Matt. I was while you're telling your story, um, your Etobicoke story. You you did tell me that stuff while we were doing the interview on this time in history, uh, you know, when I was running as a candidate. And so it just it sort of made me think like, you know, how all connected it was, how it really did feel like the last few years have been in particular. And again, I am using the term radicalizing. I feel like that's I I, I hope you understand what I'm what I'm getting at when I do say that. Yeah, um, absolutely. I'm just like feeling I want to say a lot of people feeling powerless and wanting to fight against that absolutely you know like I've told you before and Jen maybe you're hearing this for the first time but took everything out of me not to run myself I really really wanted because I've been wanting to run for 12 years and yeah. it's just never been the right time you know I'm I'm busy I'm you know not living at home at the time or I was unemployed at a different time and my wife's like no one's gonna vote for you if you're unemployed and I'm like you know what you got a good point so <laughs> I mean it's just never been the right time but I'm hoping in 2026 it will be the right time um, I'm definitely ready for it I feel like the last year we've been <clears throat> I've been doing this all these interviews and all this stuff I feel like I've gotten a college level education with this stuff. So I feel like I'm, I'm ready to go. I mean, I honestly, I, you can ask Phil, I considered putting my name in for this by-election and I'm like, should I do it? Should I, should I not do it? Should I, you know what? There's going to be too many candidates. I'll sit this one out. <laughs> I absolutely 100% understand that. I have been so fed up for, you know, so long and nobody wants to go against a name that in Etobicoke has a legacy. Holiday has a legacy. His father was the mayor before amalgamation. His father was our counselor and then he stepped right in, you know, in the next election. After his father stepped down and went and ran to be an MPP for a few months. 
But, um, and I have sat there and my husband got to the point where he's like, you know, the kids are older and I am still a stay at home mom. And I've been, you know, years and years of uh, chairing school councils and organizing things and starting the traffic advocacy in our area. And I, I had a playbook and I mean, I was hemming and hawing and I was on Twitter saying, you know, like there's gotta be somebody who will run against Holiday because he was so close to being acclaimed. And then I got hit with COVID and we hemmed in hot. I was on the couch for three, for three weeks or so in July. And I already, I already have an inner ear disorder. So I already deal with a lot of brain fog and a lot of vertigo issues and health issues like that. But generally I muster through. It just got to the point by the beginning of August, my husband was like, are you going to do it? Are you going to put your name in? And I was like, I don't, I can't think straight and I don't have energy and I'm still napping. And it, it, it killed me, you know, the week uh, leading into the, uh, the closing of the registration. And I was so happy to see that a few people did uh, put their names in and, you know, like I wanted to help and I wanted to give my playbook away. Um, but nobody really came knocking too much <laughs> at my door. And I don't know. I mean, I shouldn't have expect that anyways, but uh, yeah, it just, and I, and I made the right decision because on election night, I was, you know, half asleep watching everything and I didn't get to be to a point where I could even really go back to the traffic stuff I was doing until November. So that's kind of why I launched the Atobica Voice because I see such a need and I see that people need to understand that, you know, federal politics is important, provincial politics, you know, there's a lot that needs to be fixed. But when it comes to day to day and we can't get police to come out and, you know, deal with speeders on our main streets and we can't let our kids walk to school because we're scared they're going to get hit. Something's got to be done. So I'll write instead. <laughs> Preach, baby. Yeah. So, and the, like the, the police stuff, especially like uh, <laughs> at the at the last uh, council meeting with John Tory, uh, where they were doing the budget stuff, they had a, a moment. And the thing was, I, I, I wasn't paying attention to full time that day. I, I kind of checked back in for a moment and they were talking about the TPS response time to priority one calls. And their target is six minutes. I don't know if you paid attention to what their actual response time was, uh, it's 20 yeah. minutes. Yeah. Uh, I think they said if it's if there's a staffing issue, 30 minutes. So, and how can, how can there be a staffing issue? With the amount of money they get, how can there be a staffing issue? Like, how is there, how is there this much, much dysfunction when all we do every year is give them more? Yeah. Because it's never enough. Nope. And that's why we've been told at the school level when we have said, you know, there is constant illegal U-turns being made in front of the middle school. There's, they're parked two and three cars out in the lanes and we're like, we need some action. We need police cars to drive up and give a few people tickets so that they realize that there is, I don't care how entitled you are, you're going to get a ticket. But all we ever are told is, well, when school starts, there's really nobody around and at 3.30 in the, or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm sitting there going, well, is that because you've got, you know, you're changing uh, uh, 
it, people are shift changing or, you know, and I, it's just, it's aggravating in a city this big, we should be able to fix the odd thing here and there. On top of the fact that, uh, you know, they, I, police give off the perception that they don't care. And that is entirely, in my opinion, because they answer to nobody. The Toronto Police Union is so strong. Yeah. And because of the lack of leadership that we've had in over the last eight years, and now we're, we went from Chief Ramsey to Chief, I can't pronounce his last name. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just, this is why during the election, I was, to everyone who came to me and said, defund the police, defund the police, defund the police, defund the police. And I'm like, that's not going to fix your problem. That's only going to drain. Now, granted, they they're He's including bud- me, of course. Here, they're they're no listen, <laughs> listen. Their their budget is out of control. They need to lose minimum of four hundred million off their budget because it's too big. But the second part is almost as important, and that is, um, well, actually, it's two. It's actually two parter. It's number one, the 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 contracts of the Toronto police service need to be reworked because I don't know if you remember, but back when Rob Ford was mayor, uh, when the city worker contracts came up and he was having the, the ne- uh, negotiations, he took out the jobs for life clause that yeah. existed in the city workers contracts. I will bet everything that I have and own and will ever own that there is a similar clause in the Toronto Police Service contract. That needs to be removed because we need to be holding the police officers to account. I mean, I'll I'll go as far back as 2013 or was it 2014 when James Fursillo shot that kid on on the streetcar. This, and I'm gonna say it and I don't care what he says, this motherfucker was getting paid all the way up until his last appeal, even after he was convicted, all the way to his last appeal. Because, yep. because the Toronto Police Union is so strong. They're, they're too See, big for any, their britches. Anytime, anytime I hear a story like that, I just think, think of any, I mean, okay. You know, a big part of me is like, I think there's a big part of me that is kind of team police abolition. Uh, I don't know. I think I might not have the imagination to know how it is to go about that. You know, maybe I shouldn't say it so strongly if I'm not (laughs) quite sure of myself. But, oh no, I had a thought. Now I lost it. Now I'm going to really make myself look (laughs) dumb if the only thing I said was, oh, here's a really dumb thing for me to say out loud. uh, And I'm losing my point. Oh, okay. Sorry. I got it. I'm back. I'm good. Um, Okay. So as someone who thinks fundamentally that we should take a lot or all of the money away from the police, while that is not the reality, while we're giving them so much money and they have so much money, we should expect some compassy from them. And, you know, it's, it's their long response times. It's their, you do something 
when you do something like what was the name of that the the officer you're just talking about james priscillo yes you know <laughs> imagine any other job where even even accidentally someone dies and it's partially your fault no like a I'm, nurse or a doctor yes. Yeah, I feel like I'm going like very extreme. No, this. no, you're not. Listen, like, Phil, <laughs> Phil, let's just let, let's look at the example. What, what did it happen today? Didn't it? Or was it yesterday? That guy in the park, three officers responded. Two of them tased him. One guy shot him twice or three times. I can't remember. So this guy got tased twice and, and shot at least twice. This was in the park in Toronto. In Toronto. Um, Somewhere between uh, Black Creek and uh, uh, Todd Bayless, uh, between Lawrence and Eglinton. Oh, jeez! I didn't S hear this. The SIU huh. was uh, invoked their mandate, so the Toronto police is no longer going to comment on it. I don't. I don't know if that happened yesterday or it happened today, but it happened. I haven't heard about that. Holy shit! Three officers, they they all discharged their weapons, even though two of them were tasers. But you would think that the two tasers are enough. Yeah, exactly. So, but let's... I feel like my big overarching thought is, again, we pay the police a lot. And their budget is this something, is this like wholly deferential thing that we cannot touch. We cannot bring it down. It is sacred. So with that, you know, sacredness, that's not a term, um, the police are supposed to be, they're supposed to act a certain way, like in public. And we just don't get that from Toronto police. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've had conversations with police about traffic or I try to, um, and this was at a community event. They were, you know, at a local Starbucks and my husband and I walked over and they wanted to turn it on, you know, like seeing if we knew anything that was suspicious going on or this or that, or, you know, it had a nice conversation, but turned it to how they wanted to. And then basically were, you know, and then mansplained to me, that uh, to talk to my counselor about the traffic issues because that's who could you know see about getting things fixed. And I'm just like it's 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 a revolving circle. But yeah, it's it's ridiculous. We're we're you've got this budget. You've got so many counselors who are terrified to even you know think that maybe we should maybe talk about you know putting some to mental health issues and to really finding out what needs to be done and then god forbid a counselor actually stands up does the math talks to the organizations and says you know we can just take this little sliver and we could have 24 7 respite centers this winter and maybe not have people die on our streets and she becomes the villain who wants to defund the police it's 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 a sad it's a sad state of affairs isn't it isn't it kind of ridiculous like how many and i i can only say this 
because of course I feel that way. How many people who ran in this municipal election who wanted to be that villain? There are a lot of candidates that ran that I, I'll say it now. I'm, I'm glad they didn't win. They know who they are. I don't have to. I don't have to. I don't have to name <laughs> no. names. But I, I came across an article that I wanted to talk about. It, it, it fits the theme we're talking about crime. Uh, this was written a week ago by Tor Star Open Data Team. I think that's Toronto Star. Um, you know, they're not yeah. good for most things, but they're good for this. So let's go. Uh, so it's it's um, <laughs> five five breaking in and enters reported in Etobicoke last week. Um, so but it goes on to talk about breaking enters. Um, five residential break and enters were reported in the city's Etobicoke district from February 14th to February 20th, according to Toronto Police Service. That's down uh, from nine reported during the previous week. A total of 65 residential break and enters were reported in the same week in the city of Toronto. Um, and then it said, this is the number that really freaked me out. There have been 409 residential break and enters reported since January 1st of this year, up 28.2% compared to the same period last year. Jen? Doesn't shock me. Doesn't shock me. I'm, other than Twitter, I'm on Facebook a lot. And I'm in a lot of Etobicoke mom groups <laughs> and Etobicoke neighborhood groups. And this is, you know, a normal topic of conversation. There are so many people, and, and I'm not talking just, um, you know, in, in middle class neighborhoods. I'm talking about very high socioeconomic neighborhoods. I'm talking, you know, the renters, um, um, you know, in very basic neighborhoods. Everybody is talking about, you know, beware. My friend had somebody show up in their backyard and they called the police and they put the lights on and they ran. Cars are being broken into left, right, and center. And this has been ongoing the last couple of years. But it never, we always find that nothing um, in this, nothing in central Etobicoke makes it to the news unless you have multiple people dead or something. We have, you know, major issues. We can see, we talk, and nothing, nothing gets into the media. But this is, this is sadly becoming the norm. And again, we're only told, you know, keep keep lights on. And, you know, if you can, you should have video surveillance outside your door. And nobody wants to do anything. And in Etobicoke, people just sit there and go, oh, okay. And whatever 22 Division tells us, and we'll talk and the status quo and things go downhill. Go ahead, I'm such Phil. an upper tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Phil. 409 reported break-ins since January 1st. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not really, what's interesting is like, I start my statement with, I don't really know what to say about that. And then I'm about to follow it up with knowing what I'm going to say about that. It is interesting. I feel like, I feel like, uh, I know this will be uh, us kind of like stretching a bit beyond our are well of municipal politics, but I feel like a lot of times when uh, when these sort of uh, crime stats are brought up, uh, the idea is to sort of pin the blame on the federal government and their uh, you know their 
their crime policies or whatever. I, I feel like that's very simplifying it, crime policies. <laughs> but it, I, I feel like if we were, I mean, it really goes once again into the thought of, you know, if you think of it as the federal government is the most important provincial city like that, but realistically, this is a problem with the police, which is municipal. I mean, there's also provincial, but it's mostly municipal. And uh, this is a failure of the police. Well, no. Well, once again, uh, as I've said many, 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 many times, uh, of course, the police don't prevent crime. But uh, if they were doing anything about any of them, they're supposed to be a deterrent. But something is not deterring. <laughs> I feel like that sounds like it's going to continue into a deeper thought. I, <laughs> I, I think that is that I'm letting that go into the abyss. I don't really know where to go from there. Um, <laughs> Because we have a police force, again, who continues to get more money, but also somehow simultaneously feels like they're getting more inept. Yeah, but like we said last yeah. week, Phil, I mean, in terms of the, the, the budget specifically, you and I, we're going to take a look at the budget, even if we just get um, a rough tem uh, template. Um, I love to see where some of the money's going. I know the mounted unit costs money. Um you know, and in terms of the overtime, that's got to be factored in there, too. And if if literally 70 percent of the police force is clocking in overtime, there, there's part of your answer, you know, and yeah, that blows me away. The fact that they're just it's just expected. It's so common part of the job. It's so common that their their public their their PR moment of having the police on the TTC is entirely done by overtime shifts. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> to get away from there, I wanted to have a brief conversation because you you run a newspaper. Sometimes this is a touchy subject, and I apologize in advance if it is, but I wanted to ask about free speech. I wanted to ask yeah. what your thoughts are on that and, and how far, um, I want to make sure I word this right, because <laughs> how far do you think we as a society should go to protect that free speech? Okay, well, I'm just going to give you a quick background. Okay. That I have, um, that my, my grandfather was half Jewish. And he grew up in the Netherlands uh, during World War II and was 12 years old when uh, uh, Rotterdam was attacked. He was nearby. He didn't live in Rotterdam, but his entire family did. And I have spent many years um, writing the family history on that side. And I've discovered, and since he passed, I have discovered so many more people that were directly, that were cousins and aunts and uh and so free speech is important. You need to be able to speak out about things that uh, are wrong. But what I see, you know, some political parties, some conservatives doing is absolutely wrong. You can't say that I'm going to say hateful things about this group and this and that because I because I think people are starting to forget what happened, you know, um, 60, 70, 80 years ago, what's happened in other parts of the world, what has happened, you know, even more recently. Um, I just read a book about uh, 
Cambodia in the 1970s and the refugees escaping and you know free speech was great and we're going to take back the government from the communists and you're going to do everything that you say but if you say anything against us you're done so i think people have to be very careful um you know it is i mean some people take things wrong ways very simply i mean when i write for the typical voice i'm trying to keep things lighthearted. Um, and I, and I, and I, and as I said earlier, I don't like confrontation in person. And I feel like when I write, I can really talk about my opinions a little bit more because I'm not going to necessarily have to explain myself to, to everyone. So I think, I think there's a fine line and I don't know if I'm really explaining it, my, you know, it well, and I think it's because I'm conflicted, but, uh, and it's because of where I come from. But uh, yeah, that's my well-rounded answer to that. I don't know, again, if I really well, I think, touched on it. I think the main part is that uh, the part that I'm struggling with, the part that I don't understand, is that if I'm having a conversation with someone and I don't agree with them, that's hate speech? I don't understand oh. that. Oh, all I see is I mean, that, that that's... That's yeah. the world that we are living in, or at least it's that's where that's the direction we're going. If we can't even discuss something because because people's views are so different to in order to avoid that, we just don't talk about it. And yeah, well, if that that bothers me, you know, um, yeah. I, I like to be able to talk to people about anything. And I, I pride myself there's very, very few things that you can say to me to actually offend me. There's maybe two or three. That's it. And 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 you'd have to know me really well in order to <laughs> get that close. You you can literally say anything to me and not offend me. And and I'm a big believer in, you know, uh, I've said this on previous uh, episodes, but I'll say it again. You know, Phil and I, we don't sit on the same uh, uh, side of the aisle politically, but we can agree to disagree and still work together. Well, and that's exactly how things used to be. And I mean, my husband is very clear, like he grew up up, up near North Bay and he was very, very a staunch conservative. And I was always, you know, a liberal and, you know, but that never even crossed our minds. Our friends were all, you know, we would talk politics and we would have these great arguments, but not mean spirited like they are now. And at the end of the day, after that, everybody would go back to their beer and we'd have fun, you know? And now, like, my husband's worked in IT for many years, and he's he, he has learned that he has to be so careful in some circumstances because, um, you know, people will get so offended because he doesn't agree with this, or he thinks this about masking, and they're like, but I don't want to think like that, and he has to like defend himself. And he's like, I shouldn't have to defend myself. I shouldn't have to defend myself about I vote for this way or that way. And now it gets to a point too, where you're scared to talk about any kind of subject with people where 10 years ago, everybody worked together and they worked together, you know, in parliament, they worked together in the States, but this whole things have changed and they've changed slowly. And it's, it's, it's hard to wrap your head around it. God, you know, I'm just, I was just thinking about how it, and it's one of those things where, you know, because I jumped into like paying attention to politics around, you know, 2015, it sort of feels like, um, 
for as long as I've been paying attention to politics, that it's always been this like combative way. But at the same time, I also I feel like I have this image of a potentially romanticized past of, you know, the main difference between the parties in general, everyone was working towards making the country slash province slash city, you know, whatever sector of uh, politics you're working in better. And the disagreements just came from what you believed was right. Or sorry, what you believed would actually work towards making things better. Um, I, and it feels like now a lot of it, a lot of opposition is just opposition for the sake of opposition. Um, I don't know. It's, and that's, that's different from, you know, the topic of free speech, which I, I feel like I have a hard, a hard, weird answer to the question, the question of free speech. Um, and I say that because I, I don't think about it too much. I feel like my view is very simplistic, but at the same time, what I say could be very easy to misconstrue and someone could take it and run with it and be like, holy shit. Anyways, my big thought is, and the, the potentially controversial thought, but I, I don't really mean it as strongly as I'm about to say it is, uh, free speech doesn't really seem like that big a deal. Now, uh, oh, I, I don't know why I said that. And then immediately it was like, uh, no, no, no. So, how do I want to... One of my big concerns always is to be misunderstood. So uh, I, I'm like, I really should have thought this through harder before I started with a statement as strong as it's not a big deal. Um, but it's, I feel like it's more like, I, I, I think I mean it more like in the sense of like, I, I feel like there are people who are free speech absolutists um, who sort of think like, any any this is like simplifying it and kind of not even really about politics but like having having words that are like faux pas i don't see that as a big deal i think it's okay that there are words that i'm not allowed to say the problem of course is i do see that some people would probably hear me saying this and again this is very simplistic take of a person who is not thinking too deeply about this please don't go after me too hard <laughs> i am just i'm not thinking about this too hard um but it's like, I feel like a lot of the people who, who fight very strongly about free speech, um, it'll be things that, in my mind, I mean, I guess that's the thing. It's a difference of opinion. God, I'm, I'm messy today. <laughs> it's You know what, Phil? I'm all over the place. To anyone who, who um, disagrees with your opinion, because it's your opinion, you're entitled to have one, fuck them. How's that? <laughs> well, okay. But the problem is I also, I could see how someone could hear what I'm saying being like, I'm okay with there being some words that I'm just socially not allowed to say. And I could sort of understand people bringing up like a slippery slope argument. And I don't, and based on, oh my God, I almost want to jump into, again, let's not get into too deep a conversation about this, but made. <laughs> made i think is a very good policy to give people dignity even at end of life but it has 100 slippery sloped in this country uh because we aren't providing sports for people 
why did I bring that up so quickly? And I like want to be like, let's not talk about it. Let's not talk about it. <laughs> again, uh, again, you're entitled to your opinion. Does this, does this make sense? Is are my like connecting thoughts? Are you guys? Does this sound like I, I'm just? I, I feel like totally I'm losing myself. Listen, we're, we we were talking uh, <laughs> we were talking about free speech and made as a controversial topic and people have opinions <laughs> and then for the people that are for it, they they can't stand to listen to any uh, uh, um uh, uh con arguments and for the people that are against it, they can't they can't stand to listen to any pro arguments. And honestly, it's it's not i'm not the judge jury or executioner it's not up to me to decide if you want to feel a certain way you can feel a certain way and i'm just going to stay out of it i don't live my life to 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 try to change other people's opinions people are going to think what they want to think fuck them let them let them think it i don't care because there's only so many hours in the day you and i both have families we have jobs we have this podcast and and the the that's breaks it. That's basically it. <laughs> I think that's well put. <laughs> I, you know, now the segment can just turn into, uh, you know what, everybody? Let's share our most controversial, cancelable opinions. Yell them out. No, please don't. We're done. It's okay. Jen, I, um, actually, like, I, what is a cancelable opinion? <laughs> Jen, I wanted to ask you a question. Are you up to date? on your superheroes. And the reason I ask is because uh, <laughs> Phil and I are gonna play a game. We were gonna, um, we were we were gonna wait until after you were gone, but if you are up to date <laughs> in your superheroes, we can play this game to close out the show. Okay, Marvel, absolutely. Well, Marvel and DC, it goes DC! together. We you can know, always do what I remember from my kids. We're we're picking characters that we know. Hold so on, hold on, hold on. If hold your on. wealth of wait, oh, am I wrong? <laughs> no, no, no. But but let's uh, oh. introduce. So hold on. So before we get there, that's good to know. Um, <laughs> Jen, just in closing, before we start the game, anything that you want to say about your your newspaper and where it's going to go and what you hope to cover, even during the by election, and then don't forget to plug the paper, and then we can uh, start the game. Sounds awesome. Um, okay, so it's the Etobicoke Voice, theetobicovoice.substack.com. Uh, so th last week, I started a four-part series on the need for stronger tenant associations to kind of be the voice of tenants and renters around the city because there's about 50% of us. And uh, a lot of the work is being done by the homeowners associations. So we need to, you know, be heard as well. Um, I am doing some uh, work on traffic and I have kind of combined the two. So I started uh, Walk Safe Etobicoke, which is hoping to grow into an advocacy group to make Etobicoke more walkable so that our kids can walk and we can get the cars off the road. And that is going to become a monthly section in the Etobicoke Voice because I don't want to write too, too many substacks. Um, and for the election, I have actually started, I have started a second Substack. It's called The Power of Voice, Votes, and Passion, uh, just so that I can kind of encompass what is going on at City Hall, um, the fly on the wall that I am, because I've watched these meetings and I watch the committee meetings and basically just teach 
um, the voters of today and the voters of tomorrow, the tweens and the teens who are going to, you know, hopefully step up one day and show them the importance of local politics. And later on, hopefully that will actually turn into a podcast and a YouTube channel. So thank you very much. That's awesome. Um, you know, Phil and I are planning to be there on April 3rd. We don't have that confirmed yet, but I'm not spoiling anything. We're, we want to be there. <laughs> no, we want to no, no. We want to interview whoever shows up to register, plus any counselors that, that are lurking in the lobby. That would be fun. Anyone That's exciting. <laughs> you, you promised to be nice to Stephen Holiday, right, Phil? <laughs> I absolutely don't promise that. <laughs> Well, if you're well, not I, nice, he turns promise, away. So, well, I'm going to say I promise to not get us kicked out of City Hall. That <laughs> yes, is that is my promise. Bill will be the reasonable one. <laughs> I mean, that's true. That's fair. I'll take All that. All right. So, are we ready? <laughs> Let's play superhero or super villain. Bow, 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 bow. We'll Yay! start. We'll start. Uh, <laughs> Ward one. And go up toward 25. And in because we don't have a mayor right now, we're going to uh, end with uh, Doug Ford. Actually, you know what, Matthew? I feel like it might be a good idea for us to start with the example of Doug Ford, only because I feel like it was, you know, when you presented me the options, uh, I feel like it made perfect sense. And I also feel like my answer was perfect. And I, I feel like we could build from that. True. Uh, let's do that. So in lieu of a mayor, and because Doug Ford always wanted to be the mayor, <clears throat> I declare him a supervillain. Hell yeah. Yeah. And now are you gonna are you gonna present the, the two choices that you gave me? No, no, no. I think the choice we settled on. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm excited. I'm excited to see this. So for Doug Ford, we have decided he is Kingpin. Do you know who Kingpin is, um, Jen? Oh, yeah, I sort of do. I can't quite picture him, but I know my family talking about him. Yes. You know, the great can... thing is you don't have to picture him because Doug Ford <laughs> is Kingpin. It, yes, like it really I, is. Yeah. Matthew gave me two choices. And it didn't seem that was unnecessary because he picked so correctly. <laughs> I think you know his his other choice was Thanos, and I think his thought there might have been the his powerfulness. You know that he's the bigger bastard, and that's fair <laughs> enough. But I feel like you go with the 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 pseudo mafia connections, the <laughs> just the kingpin kingpinniness of it all. Yeah, that's Doug Ford, yeah. like. Even it's so perfect that it's just it's yeah. perfect. It's a perfect answer. Yeah. So we moved now to Ward One. Vincent Crisanti. Is he a superhero or super villain? Well, I say super villain. Phil? You know, um, I feel like I don't know enough about what they're doing. He's a super in villain. Ward one. He's a super villain. <laughs> Listen, actually, and I feel like there's a few wards where I, I, I'll feel that way. So I'm going to take your word for it, villain. And Easy. I've already, I've Easy. chosen, I've chosen somebody for him. You let me know if I've hit it, the nail on the head. 
I've chosen Ebony Maw. Oh, do I need to look that up? Is that Marvel or DC? Marvel. Thanos's right hand man. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. That's 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 of course. Yeah. He's he's like the the skinny one <laughs> who's like uh I'm no no that's not the point. Good one. <laughs> so now we move to Ward Two. Okay. Stephen Holiday. Ward two is so easy, of course, super villain, we know, and easy pick for villain, Lex Luthor. It's so perfect. Oh my god, that's all I'm gonna see now. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, uh, yeah. it's it's so good. And I don't know if you've if you've known um more modern day Lex Luthor, my my comic <laughs> knowledge is spotty, but modern Lex Luthor has run for I'm pretty sure he ran for both mayor and president. I was going to say, I, yeah, I, I president. And, and yeah, Phil and, even says that Stephen Holiday could play Lex Luthor. 100%. Yeah. 100%. That is half insult, half compliment. <laughs> like, perfect standing. And, and, and you mean the insult part. I, I mean, I obviously, I really do. Truly, I do. <laughs> okay. Ward three, Amber Morley. Superhero or supervillain? Right. Superhero. Obviously, we're on team hero. Um, <laughs> I can be I can be minutially disappointed in the, the skate with cops thing, but otherwise, hero. Amber is a hero. <laughs> she's she's good. So I picked someone. You let me know if I've got the I hit the nail right on the head. I picked Gamora. Oh, that's oh. better than mine. Yeah, I was but, thinking Storm. Jen, what's yours? Oh, Storm was, is good. Ooh, I love. That's Storm. who I was thinking. I think after I th seeing her yell at well, not yell, but have an argument with John Tory, I was like Storm all the way. I think we should go with Storm. Yep. I think Storm is a good pick. <laughs> Absolutely. Alrighty. No, I also, a small way, I also want to say, um, and I, I guess it's more relevant just because the Marvel show is fairly recent, but also a bit of, based on what you're saying, the yelling at John Tory thing, I remember, you know, her standing up and speaking, I did feel like it was a very, in my mind, I was like, oh, Amber Morley, she's the moral one, you know, <laughs> in my mind. Um, I, I also get a bit of the um, Jennifer Walters, aka She-Hulk, although... I do feel like Amber is very small for that. Um, I mean that in a nice way. Um, I agree. I yeah, agree. I, I love okay. She-Hulk. And yeah, and I've seen I've seen Amber Morley in person and in talking in person and uh, to, uh, at the budget uh, committee meetings that they were having. And yeah, I, I think I think you could have a little bit of Jennifer Walters with the, the legal knowledge and the knowledge of the of policies, and then Storm. Show, you know, shooting those eyes right at John Tory. <laughs> oh yeah, I I read a lot of graphic novels, so. So for Ward Four, we have Gord Perks, superhero or supervillain. I mean, he's definitely on the hero side. Yeah, he's a hero. Um, I have someone picked out, but I'll wait. I want to hear your thoughts, Phil. You know, I I no, you tell me. And I'll I'll see if I can launch Pat off that to another thing. Unless you you just you could nail it. <laughs> I I think I've got it nailed. Uh, okay. Hank Pym. Yeah. Oh shit. Okay. Now that's okay. Sorry. And just so I'm in the clear, 
Scott Lang is current Ant-Man. Hank Pym is old man Ant-Man. No, he's original yeah, original right? Ant-Man. Yeah. Yes. And you know what? Yeah. That's you know what? I I don't think you can do you're correct. <laughs> I that's, I think that's that's, that's perfect. Yeah. I think okay. that that's solid. Again. We, we move to Ward 5, Francis Nunziata, superhero or super villain? Okay, well, that's easy. Super villain. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know shit about, about uh, DC. I know very, it's very limited. So I'm going to give a shout out to my brother-in-law, Calvin, if you're listening. You're probably not, but that's okay. Uh, he told, because I described Francis Nunziata, and he said... The perfect person for her is someone named Granny Goodness. I'm, listen, I've got the DC Wiki up. I'm I'm looking at <laughs> Granny Granny Goodness. Yeah, apparently the right hand man or woman. I think it's woman to uh, um, Dark Dark Side or whoever that is. <laughs> you know, <laughs> hilarious. Yes. Are, are you looking too? Oh, I, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> like it's, it's incredible. It's terrible. It's awful, but it's great. I'm, I'm like, I, I thought I could think of a one for Nunziata, but I don't think I want to now. So Phil, Absolutely. before we continue, do you think that you can get the ward map up and then superimpose these uh, just the character pictures over the uh, oh, the, the wards. Easy. Is that possible? Can we easy. do that? Perfect. Yeah, of course. In fact, right. I'm pretty sure we could probably have it where their faces like fill in the ward map. Maybe I don't know. Exactly. It, we, yeah. It'll be fine. We'll. Um, it'll be ward, fun. We'll do. Ward it. six. James Pasternak. Superhero or supervillain? See, I don't think I know enough about him. I mean. I know who he follows and I know he's old guard. I just don't know how bad. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's at this point, it's degrees. <laughs> perhaps. perhaps <laughs> he is not, I've chosen. Perhaps he is not the Dr. Octopus. Perhaps he is the, wow. the henchman by the barrel. I've chosen a uh, super villain and I went with the penguin. <laughs> oh, I oh, can okay. see that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I can see him with the hat and everything now. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Almost almost as good as probably this is like um I feel like he would be very reminiscent of the uh Gotham show penguin. Is that <laughs> is that too specific? Uh maybe. Uh, he's kind of young though. <laughs> yeah, oh that's true. I'm just going to riff on the fact that you know, he James Pasternak is somewhere in between uh, the Gotham Penguin character and, of course, Danny DeVito. Uh, when I yeah. say that, though, that's the widest range of males' bodies. That's... <laughs> well, see, when you say the Danny DeVito, at least I can picture it. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. I wonder, you know, I didn't, I wasn't entirely sure that this was uh i was gonna come up with as as smoothly as this has like gone on with the names here because i was i was worried but no this is this is working out so ward seven anthony perusa all right um 
super hero or super villain? I think this is a similar case to, um, in fact, even, even I know even less about him than James Pasternak. Like, I don't even know. Is he a Tory guy? I really don't know enough about him. I mean, all I see is he's always trying to get, get attention in council meetings and he makes Francis Nzieta so mad. So it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to think, but I'm just like, sometimes he'll make some sense. And then I'm like, should I agree with you? Shouldn't I? I don't know. <laughs> okay, so how about this? Okay. Let's make him Ned Leeds, who eventually does turn bad <laughs> and turns into the Hobgoblin. But Hobgoblin? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> That's good. I love Listen, that. That works. <laughs> okay. Ned Leeds. Ward, Ward 8, Mike Cole. The only the only reason I my mind thinks he's a villain is that I was rooting for uh Evan to win that ward. Um I mean Cole in my mind is just sort of ineffective more than anything. Yeah, like I, I find that, you know, I sometimes agree with him, sometimes I don't. And I don't I again I don't think he's like looking to hurt people. He's he's got a spe specific um, ward and I, I understand his ward. So that's that's another one where. But I do. I want to make him a hero. Thinking, <laughs> listen, uh, Iron Man two specifically, Justin Hammer. Yeah, I like that. Like I, I mean, he's yeah. he's, he's a, a a bad guy, but it's like it's not to be a bad guy. Like he's he he just wants to be better than Tony Stark. He's yeah. the bad guy, but he's not. Take yeah, there we go. Justin Hammer. Yeah. I was gonna say I was gonna say Uncle Ben, but I like that better. <laughs> we, just we to be really, clear, just uh, to be clear, not the rice guy, uh, Uncle Ben from the Spider Man movie. I would be very excited to find someone who sends you a message who's like Uncle Ben, the rice guy. I would love that. <laughs> okay. Uh, Alejandro Bravo, superhero or supervillain? Easy hero. Superhero. <laughs> <laughs> if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I big time superhero. <laughs> okay, or a fan of Bravo. But we need somebody. But which one? Okay. So, Gene hmm. Gray. That's exactly what I was trying to say, except I, all I could think of was the Phoenix. I couldn't remember her name. <laughs> what do you think, Phil? Oh, God. You know what? See, because I was I was looking at I was looking at Scarlet Witch and I'm like, I'm trying to think. But I'm like, no, Scarlet Witch like loses it. It goes nuts. And <laughs> I don't I don't think I don't think that's. Uh, but so does Jean Grey. I don't Gray. think that's a girl. Bravo. But so does Jean Grey. Oh right, right. Oh, that's a good. Well, black then, then I think your black choice Widow is bad. Your oh, choice is there bad. you go. There we go. Black Widow. <laughs> black Widow. Perfect. Okay. There you go. She doesn't lose it. Ozma Malik. She's always on it. Ozma Malik. Oh, Ozma Malik. Superhero. Also, also super hero. Superhero. Easy hero. Yeah, absolutely a superhero. But who? I just. Why isn't there a page that's just? Oh, yeah. oh, that was easy. On the Marvel Wiki, oh no, it just—it's not taking me anywhere. I was so excited. I thought I was just gonna 
press the thing that was heroes and it'd give me a list what about that would be all i need i'd be like sweet what about for her shuri who eventually becomes black panther yeah shuri is cool she's the smart Um, one she's the very 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 smart one Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not that, talking about good point. I'm not talking about the bald girl. I'm talking about the other girl. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Oh, um, T'Challa's <laughs> sister. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The scientist, and I like that one. The other thing, the other one I was thinking was, and I just I don't know a lot about is Monica Rambo because I know that she becomes kickass. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. I no, like she's um, she's a Captain Marvel, I believe. Yeah. I like her. No, she's she's dope. <clears throat> also a good pick. All right. Uh Diane Sachs, superhero or super villain? She is more hero than villain. Yeah. In fact, she's not very often she's not very often a villain. In fact, my big issues with Sachs are more like she'll side with procedure more than in my mind doing the right thing. But I, I do think she is more good than bad. I mean, Ooh. she did. She um, did get the warming center open. So maybe that's she's very true. Oh, may, again, maybe she's Jean Grey. Maybe that's it. Maybe may, um, you know that. Yeah, or maybe. Or what do we think, Jean Grey or Scarlet Witch? I think Jean Grey. Yeah, Jean Grey. Okay, all right. Well, all right <laughs> you got it. Well, I'm trying course, to find you know, Maybe she'll wander through. And we can tell her that she's the phoenix, and we don't have to give her any context, and we'll just <laughs> hype her up. Wouldn't that be fun? Here's one that I've been waiting for. The good counselors. Oh, sorry. Okay. Josh Matlow, superhero or super villain? We're on Team Hero for our boy Matlow. Yeah. I've got the sure. perfect one. And I don't say I, this I lightly. Like... <laughs> oh, are you going to say Iron Man? Yes. I don't say this lightly. I, Tony Stark, Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's something about his charisma and his, you know, his ability to be combative, but still be charming in the way that he is. Exactly. Like he'll start talking, and you're just like, you're just taking down like so many people on council, but you're still smiling. <laughs> And it and it and it also Matt. permits him to make a mistake or two, like Tony Stark did with Ultron. It was a mistake, but there you go. Yeah. All right. You know, it's weird, Matthew, because prior to the moment of you, prior to anything, I had not even thought of who Josh Matlow would be. But somehow, you leading up to me just made me think, "Oh, Matthew's going to say Tony Stark." That's right. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, Chris Moyce. Superhero or supervillain? He's a hero. A hero, yeah. And I, I feel like, you know what? Actually, this will be easy in the sense of I feel like War Machine is a good pick for him only because I feel like he's not, he's not a, I don't feel like he's a front, he's not a leading counselor. He's sort of, yeah. He's a sidekick. Side. He's a sidekick. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but still, and War I, Machine is know, still awesome. I don't see that. <laughs> I don't feel. I don't say that to diminish anyone, because but there are just more. You know, I feel like I'd probably be a quieter counselor if I were there. Um, yeah. So he's quieter. He's he's not. He doesn't put himself forward as the lead. I I feel like War Machine just kind of works there. Awesome. Yeah. 
Paula Fletcher, superhero or supervillain? The more she's, I follow. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jen. I was just going to say, the more I follow her and I see what she does, I do like her. And so my opinions have been changing. I I would actually say hero. Ooh, you know what? In that case, uh, Black Cat. The villain turned hero. I like or, that. Oh, or, that's good. I like that. The funny that. thing is, both... Yeah. both uh, both Marvel's Black Cat and DC's Catwoman both absolutely follow that same <laughs> like path of, you know, sort of not supervillain, but villainy. I hero. like that. I like that. Yeah, that works well. Okay. Um, Jane Robinson, superhero or supervillain? I only know one thing about Jay Robinson, and I'm pretty sure that was um jay is the one who talked about having the city be a museum i think right was that jay robinson um anyways i if if that was i think that was her and if so super villain but otherwise my knowledge is very low so if either of you guys have more input um well i think she falls under super villain uh but anyway who's the chick uh, the Jada Pinkett, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith character from Gotham. Oh, I know, I know who you're talking about. I think she actually might be original from the show, like not part of the comics. I could be wrong. Um, actually, I could just look that up. Let's uh, got them. There we go. Come on, give me that answer quick. Uh, no, Fish Mooney. That's who she is. Is she original for the show? Uh, Fuck it. Let's make it her original. (laughs) Yeah, when she started talking about putting the cars before the uh, bike uh, lanes on Young Street, I was just like, you know, you had promise. You had promise a few years ago, and now you've just, I don't know. She has just totally fallen in line with the old guard. Blake Acton wants to rip all the bike lanes out of everywhere Jesus. oh i know i i've read his stuff and i blocked him at one point <laughs> he doesn't answer anybody's questions hey blake acton answer people's questions and stop <laughs> getting other people to answer your questions for you and that's all i'm going to say about that guy <laughs> oh i could go on anyway oh. um john, john, john burnside john burnside too easy. Superhero like, or super He's villain. a villain. Villain. The thing is, I can't even villain, easy villain, but there has to be. And I, the thing is, at this moment, I can't even think of one. There has to be a plethora of comic book villains who are cops turned villain. Like, easy. Yeah. It has to be. The problem is, my brain keeps circling the drain <laughs> to the Punisher. Uh, Two Face. Not a villain. Two Face. Oh, that's He was a DA. Close yeah. enough. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that works. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good pick. No, that's solid. Lily Chang, superhero or supervillain? Oh, no. Shelly, Shelly Carroll. Oh, sorry. Shelly Carroll, <laughs> superhero or supervillain? Who I think is actually, I think she's, uh, I think she's inoffensive. So I do put her on the hero side. 
I put her on the hero side, and this is another person I used when I didn't really pay attention. I had no use for her just due to sound bites. But again, I follow and I'm like, she seems like such a nice person and she is actually trying to make things better, even though she she's pragmatic in the way she votes. And I understand that. So yeah, I say hero. I would say Aunt no. May, Aunt May. And just so we're clear, <laughs> I'm talking about old Aunt May from the old Spider-Man movie, not hot Aunt May. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I, I think agree. they just—I think they only call her hot, May. You know, <laughs> and I think the fact that you clarified was a good idea. <laughs> I mean, hot May. You know, it's very interesting, and I—I I feel like, yeah, that sort of works for you know both my image of of her and also, uh, you know, Jen's thought of. She's nice and she's trying. I think that's let's let's give it to our old Aunt May. <laughs> All right, so Lily Chang, superhero or supervillain? Jen, I'd like your opinion on this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Okay, so I I think she falls under supervillain. She's way too against shelters and feels like she's constantly up. Like, it's not... It's not that everything she does is universally bad, but I do feel very strongly against her when it comes to her position on shelters and what community centers are for. Uh, yeah. So I, I kind of think of her as a villain. I wonder if, if there's a villain we can think of who's like, um, maybe, maybe redeemable, but, you know, also still bad. Um, Nebula? I think that works Uh, because I will say it works. Maybe we'll, yeah, you know what? Actually, fair. Fair. I I think it works because, like, there are things that she says that make sense. And and maybe it's just because I'm a mom dealing with traffic and I hear her talking about needing more crossing guards. And I was like, yes, finally, somebody gets it. It's just what that she doesn't want. It really is that sticking point, right? Yeah, it's like, it's the whole, yeah, we can definitely help the homeless, but not in my backyard. And I'm like, don't be so nimby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So I feel like Nebula is a pretty, that's a good pick. Yeah. There's Brad- a redemption quality. <laughs> Brad Bradford, superhero or supervillain? I'm going to say Jen? villain. <laughs> oh, I'm saying villain. All right, cool. We're same bitch. <laughs> well, I'm good with yeah. that. Now he, just- he's... Now, just how much of a villain? Um, we could I'm, go. We could go. A here's few what I'm thinking. Ways. Like, here's the thing. I sort of see him as a counterpart to Josh Matlow, and uh, it'd be so easy. Okay, this is this is like a side tangent. Okay, but <laughs> some of my favorite things in the Marvel movies are when the bad guys are just bad guy versions of the hero. So, you know, in Iron Man yeah. 1, it was Iron it was Iron Monger. But the problem is, like, Brad Bradford is not... Um, I forgot the character's name, but my favorite thing about him, my absolute favorite thing about him is that he screams about Tony Stark building it in a cave with a box of scraps. <laughs> I love that man. Um, Brad Bradford does not have that guy's energy. 
I would say, and this isn't a compliment, Loki. Yeah, because he's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially because he does sometimes talk the talk, you know, of like kind of being a progressive dude, but then he like goes against that. That's Loki. Loki, (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) All right, here we go. This one's for you, Phil. Gary Crawford, <laughs> superhero or supervillain? Okay. I'm surprised you Obvious let me finish. supervillain. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. So it's easy. No, no. You, you. What I'm saying is, villain. what I'm saying is, you should have cut me off and went. Uh, oh. Before I even finish, superhero or super, you should have cut me off. <laughs> okay. So he is villain. Now, visually, um. <laughs> I've, this is going to sound weird and out of nowhere. Um, There's a lot of different Spider-Man universes and lores. Very recently, I played through the the PlayStation 4 Spider-Man game, which does have its own, like, universe and lore. And that Dr. Octopus could be Gary Crawford. Wow. And without a visual (laughs) representation, neither of you guys could know what I'm meaning, and it's not. Yeah, no, I've seen. I played I, the video game. I know what you're talking about. Oh, okay, yeah. And I watched the yeah. trailer so with my husband. <laughs> that's Gary Crawford. I'm just saying, but I, I feel like uh, a more accurate pick. I there's in my mind. I'm just thinking of like someone who's more snivelly and like lower in the food chain. <laughs> Doc Ock, it is like Gary Crawford. Gary Crawford is very much a part of John Tory's like circle, but never feels like he's he's never the the bell of the ball, you know. <laughs> Michael Thompson. This is great political analysis. Oh, superhero villain. Super... <laughs> See, she cut me oh, off. That yeah. was great. That was great. <laughs> yeah, I I just I villain, yeah, like... villain, villain, villain. But who? Uh, and you know what? To make it easy. He's Venom. Dude is Venom. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Uh, Nick Mantis, superhero or supervillain? I don't know enough about him. I just know that he, who he worked for. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's Team Tory, right? <laughs> Nick Mantis? Yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, so <laughs> by default... <laughs> He's, he's one of those lower bad guys, like uh, I would say super is, villain. Yeah. yeah like yeah. maybe Scarecrow. Yeah, yeah. Scarecrow. Yes. Let's give him Scarecrow because we don't care about Scarecrow. <laughs> just like we Sorry, I missed. Oh my God. He's just. Nick eh? Mantis is a, he's a real human being who I just said we don't care about. I feel like there's like an element to me where I like, I do forget as but we're Phil, talking about but this, Phil, that they are real people. But Phil, he's, ju- he's just there. How many times does he actually stand up and speak? He's just there. Listen, I, I wanted the other Mantis to win. Just because it was funny. <laughs> that would have been amazing. <laughs> it was like Antonio, I think. Like, what a brilliant dude. I like I was rooting for that play. That was good. Jamal Myers, superhero or supervillain? Superhero. We're on team hero for my boy Jamal. Yeah. And who do you uh who do you like for him? 
is this uh well he died so we can't say black panther but um i well here's the thing so i i do i like jamal and again immediately said he's a hero i do i also sort of feel like he and it could be just new counselor time you know i do get the sense that he's also a quieter voice on council at the moment again mm-hmm. that could just be yeah. inexperience so i there's a a part of me that wants to think of like a not quite one of the more well-known ones luke cage not... oh i like that i mean luke cage is cool yeah <laughs> and he gets it done he doesn't need a lot of like flashiness and he doesn't need a lot of people watching that's true <laughs> oh that's good good stuff <laughs> All right. Paul Ainsley, superhero or supervillain? What with what little I know, I, I like our nightmare. I I, I like I him. also I also like I think it's great that he's the nightmare because I, I feel like he's the kind of guy who will really enjoy the fact that he is the nightmare. Ooh. <laughs> who is the nightmare? Um, I don't even like know. A, the- well, like that's Paul Ainsley, is he's the nightmare. I oh as in like what is their role? I have no idea. I I just know if I were given the title Nightmare, I would be so ecstatic. See for uh, me, so there's a part of me that thinks we have to think of a goofy Batman. Oh my God! Wait, Moon Knight? No, no, no. That's goofy Batman. So for me, I would say super villain. Just for me, um, he's been there <laughs> since. <got> so excited. <laughs> He's been there since forever. He's a career politician. Nothing against him, but it's time for new blood and a new voice. And those are absolutely I, fair points. I would, yeah. I would give him the Riddler. Ooh. Okay. For that yeah. reason. All right. Yeah. But we who, can. Who did I say? You said Moon Knight. But we can. This one. This is one we can disagree on. That's fine. See, I, I have just found that things that I am very livid about, about, about my counselor, Paul Ainsley agrees with my opinions <laughs> on, so, on some, some major issues. And so that, yeah, and but again, I don't on Twitter. Yeah. And he responds. I, I was, I was just going to say. And, you know, this is neither here nor there. I think he could be Uncle Ben. That's, all, that's, that's <laughs> you know a good what? point. You know, you're not doing good. You're not doing bad. But you're there to give advice. And you've been there a long time. God, and I can't imagine a role with more responsibility than the nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, oh, my God. That, I mean... I didn't say that sincerely, but I wasn't saying it sarcastically, but that sounded so sarcastic. <laughs> oh, my God. And we end the game with oh. De- Deputy Mayor Jennifer McKelvey. Superhero or supervillain? The interesting thing is, I it's another case of, and I'm sure people don't want to hear me say often, I don't know enough about her. Like, I have to imagine... There's an element where I think, oh, well, John Tory trusted her enough to make her the deputy mayor. Well, I'm opposed <laughs> to John Tory, so I don't like that. On the other hand, I feel like in the last few weeks, I mean, I've I've criticized a couple of things that she's she's tweeted about. Um, but for the most part, 
uh, you know, she's been pretty, uh, I don't know, she's been active. She's been doing her mayoral bit. She, you know, went to the Ukraine thing with Justin Trudeau and Doug Ford and, uh, and she's gone to like these um, other cultural days. Like she's, she's doing what she needs to do. I like I instinctively want to think that she's a villain, I guess, because <laughs> I know that John Tory is like on her team. But I, I at the moment, I'm pretty neutral about her. Yeah, I mean, she's very steady-handed, and I think she's a good person for what she's doing right now. But I do know that she generally has always voted along with Tory, so I'm kind of like, oh. and oh, you know, and, and yeah. <laughs> so here are my thoughts and listen we can do villain no, no so here here are my thoughts and i know you're ex- you're expecting me to shred her but no that's not going to happen Ooh. i actually think that she deserves the benefit of the doubt um based yeah. based on a, a big part of it being i'm okay with with being the deputy mayor i'm not gonna run in this race and i respect that I don't always agree with what she says, but there's room to grow. And uh, and when the when the by-election is over, she's going to go back to being Ward 25 counselor. And we don't know if she's going to continue being the deputy mayor because that'll be up to the new mayor. So I would lead now, I would lead more towards superhero. And for that, I would choose Carol Danvers. Yes, that is a good choice. Even keel, very focused on what needs to get done. Yeah, I like that. You know, I was thinking um, Oracle. Do you guys do you guys know her? She is DC. I, I'm not well versed in DC. <laughs> I, I know, I know the name. Was, I don't know I, anything about her. I'm pretty sure. God, if some listen, if if you're listening to this, you're a huge comic book nerd and you hear me spout this and i'm completely <laughs> wrong 100 at pj fortio that's my twitter let me know <laughs> eviscerate me i'm okay with that i'm pretty sure oracle is the name that barbara gordon uh works yes. under barbara gordon is yes that girl yes um and then she becomes paralyzed and becomes oracle yes uh and so oh. she kind of works as like support and backup and I just, um, in my in my low key thought of Jennifer McKelvey, I feel like you know support, keeping everything going. I like that. That sounds good. Yeah. Wow, and that was superhero versus supervillain. I I I love that. That was uh, that was great for anyone of the listeners that are listening still. You know, so you didn't tune off before. <laughs> if, if you guys agree with us, let us know. If you disagree with us, let us know. And, uh, you know, we'll go from there. We're going to be back next week with uh, a brand new episode. And uh, thank you so much, Jen, for, for coming on and for enlightening us. And, <laughs> and for all our listeners, go follow the Etobicoke Voice. I'm from Etobicoke. It's very important. You know, it's not just downtown downtown's not going to win the election by itself you need the suburbs you need etobicoke you need scarborough absolutely to win the election and for the candidates who don't know that that's me telling you that and uh you know again thank you so much for coming on the show and 
and really just uh, just enlightening us uh, and, you know, being able to have a honest conversation about municipal politics. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. Well, that's what we strive to do. You know, Phil, <laughs> Phil's the funny one. I'm more the serious one, but sometimes we role play. No, not like that. See, now our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> oh, you take it, we'll Phil. Leave it at that. <laughs> we did it. The episode was good. And uh, this is, yeah, this is me sending us off. Uh, we did it. We nailed it. We are good people. We love municipal politics. We want Toronto to be better. And uh, that's what we're here for. Boom. This is the municipal. Have you been paying attention to, like, city stuff? Don't vote, can't bitch. Sorry to to point that finger at you. My answer to that would be yes and no. My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government. You're saying council wouldn't approve it. And two, you're robbing them of their their voice. It's it's he's already he's already failed to uphold. Uh,